and the reason she's up here at the piano this morning is because uh, Walter is not available. I don't know if you've heard or not, but Walter had a fall uh, Tuesday night, I think. Monday night or Tuesday night? Monday night. And uh, unfortunately, Walter doesn't have one of those medical alert things or a cell phone. So when he fell, he wasn't strong enough to get back up. And he laid on the floor all night long. And uh, finally in the morning, he mustered up enough strength to crawl to the phone and call a young lady who helps him quite a bit there in Gretna. And she called the ambulance. They took him to the hospital, to the med center. Uh, evidently, nothing was broken. Uh, but now he has pneumonia. So I think he's still in the hospital unless, did you have any contact? Nobody's had any contact with him. So uh, I'm going to try, it's like I was saying to John, when I finally remember to call him, it's late at night after work, and I don't think it's uh, appropriate to try and call him then. So try and get a little update on that. But uh, he should have at least a cell phone, if not a med alert type thing. So that's the update. So Megan is going to be doing some playing for us. She's, going, she's picked three hymns. Uh, one is Turkey in the Straw. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll announce them as we get to that. Uh, but we also are blessed to have special music from the family. And we're going to have that right, if you look at your bulletin, right about halfway down on the first page, it says Operation Christmas Child video. We have a short video about our Operation Christmas Child. And right after that, and before giving our tithes and offerings, we're going to have special music from the Bumgardner family. So uh, we look forward to that. That's always a blessing. Now, a couple other things. It's a busy morning. Today is October 25. Two months from now, it will be December 25, Christmas. So Nancy has sheets in the back concerning flowers for Christmas, like we usually do, the poinsettias. So please uh, sign up for flowers in honor of somebody, or if you just want to help make the sanctuary look beautiful, Please do that. She would like to have as many people fill out uh, and request flowers as possible. And that's an, on the, uh, the little table in the back. Also, Davey pointed out that the, the bowling alley in Mount, Mount Choi is having a benefit bowling uh, operation, team bowling. Okay, so he says you can go by yourself all the month of November, and it benefits Alzheimer's. So uh, if you're interested, if you like to bowl, even if it's just for one or two times, go down there and wing a couple balls down the, the aisle for Alzheimer's. So, uh, and, and you can get more information on the bulletin board down on the, in the lobby. Davey has uh, information down there. So look into that. Uh, one other thing, we have, we have this projection equipment and some sound equipment that we don't have hooked up yet, 
but we got that from Ephrata Church of the Brethren, which we picked up a long time ago, thanks to Pastor Ryan. Uh, they're doing a huge renovation down there in their sanctuary. Uh, have any of you have been in the Ephrata Church? Well, they have a very big, big uh, sanctuary. They're actually turning the sanctuary around. They're reversing the pews 180 degrees, and they're putting the main entrance where the pulpit used to be, and therefore they're updating all their sound equipment, all their projection equipment. And they, through Pastor Ryan, he was able to get uh, permission to uh, salvage, if you will, some of that equipment for use here in Conewago. Now, they said, if you can use it, take it. But we felt that we should give them some type of a donation to help with their building project and in thanks and thanks for the for the uh, equipment that we got and that's where this projector came from that, and that we've been using uh, pastor sandy looked online found out that if we were to buy this this inf this equipment it would cost us about five hundred dollars so i talked to a couple people on the the leaders team and they suggested that we give Ephrata $500 as a donation for this equipment. Uh, we can pay that out of the building fund that you've been so generously giving to us, and uh, we would like to do that as a, as a gift offering <laughs> to Ephrata. Does anybody have a problem with that or a suggestion or doesn't want to do it? Kayla, you shouldn't kick her. Any questions on that? Are we okay with that? Okay. I know this is not a, an official congregational meeting, but if you are in favor of giving this $500 to the effort of church in thanks for the equipment to be paid out of the building fund, will you please say aye? If you are opposed, say no. There's no opposition. So, Ms. Secretary, if you would just make a little note so that we have that information. I'll cut a check and send them a letter saying thank you for the, for the equipment and uh, send that check along to them this week. Okay. I think we have everything set up. I think we covered everything that we're going to do. We do have an opening hymn that Megan has picked for us, listed in our bulletin. And uh, we already mentioned Walter, so if you would kindly pray for him, we would appreciate it. And uh, is, do we have any updates, Miss Christine? Okay. Again, I will hold the microphone. Oh, by the way, uh, we are trying to take precautions here. Joel was telling me uh, that he and Mel were in here uh, Saturday and uh, witnessed the Sue's daughter cleaning, and she had her grandchildren, Sue's grandchildren with her, Sue's daughter's children, and they were wiping down the pews. One girl, if I understand correctly, was putting sanitizer on the benches, 
and another girl was coming by and wiping it off, and she, he said, they were flying through here. He thought we had a group of Amish girls in here. <laughs> so uh, it, it was nice to hear that. So rest assured that we're trying to do the best we can. Now, so let me get over to Christine. Uh, yes, if we look at our prayer guides and can kind of follow after here, I'm going to do a little updating that I've had since the prayer guide was printed. And I do have some new ones that were just given to me by Nancy this morning. Uh, Gary Meyerhofer, keep Gary in prayer. His surgery is tomorrow for his knee. So we pray for Gary for tomorrow. Uh, Vicki Sicker, friend of ours, she had her surgery. It went well. I talked to her husband, and she is recovering at home. So we're very happy about that. Uh, she still is dealing with the cancer, of course, but so glad the surgery went well. Uh, down to Kevin Soren. He is in the Hershey Med Center. Uh, he was readmitted. He had We kept it in that he was in, and it hadn't been changed, and he had the AFib, but now he is having, he has a fever, and they're not sure where the infection is, and that seems to be sort of an ongoing thing because he had that, um, oh, yeah, what did he have, the bone marrow? Yeah, he had the bone marrow transplant. I couldn't think what I wanted to say right away. So it's, you know, stem cell, yeah, I did say, yeah, stem cell he had done. And that's been done a few weeks, quite a few weeks ago. So it's kind of, these are kind of things that are happening, you know. Kevin is a very strong man of God and a very, I, I had, got a chance to talk to him and being I had cancer at one time myself you can kind of share with someone and you know what you're talking about with chemo and you don't have to say much and I just he, he's just a, a great man he he and also uh, Julie had told me he had preached at I think it was Florin that he preached uh, before some of this started now of the stem cell thing and he it was wonderful said it was wonderful that he gave like a testimony he is a great person of that anyhow um, uh, and down to Jamie Lieber who is my niece's husband Jamie has been dealing with a very serious brain cancer for over three and a half years now and now he is it's things are not good we were there Friday night to visit and uh, he has been in a hospital bed at home he's stayed at home Hospice comes in like every day, but just they're only there like an hour. And a nurse, someone has to be with him 24 hours a day. And his wife was trying to work her job. She works at a hairdressing place, but now she told us last on Friday that she got a leave of absence. She's staying home now, right now, and there's this need there. But she wants to keep him there at home and not put him in the hospice facility, if, if not possible, you know. So it's, it's not good. Uh, we just keep our prayers with them, that's for sure. Okay. Um, uh, Nancy just gave me some new people here. A Barb Adams, friend of Steph Kozer's grandmother. Heart catheterization showed two blocked vessels 
and she may need a valve replacement, so keep her in our prayers, and we'll get her on our prayer guide. And Lisa Nye, niece of Joel and Nancy, breast cancer, another surgery November 4, and will need radiation and chemo. So these, these are very, this cancer just seems to be elevating again, in my opinion. It's just, you know, it seemed like we kind of were at a rest for a while, but it's been an awful lot. We have a lot on our prayer guide here of the cancer, and I know my sister-in-law, Sherry Burrier, and my brother, Jim Burrier, both have it, have cancer, and the update with those two, not real good either. Very, very much of what's happening. Uh, Sherry completed a six, uh, six treatments of chemo, and now she has to wait till January to see what they're going to continue. If they keep can give more treatment, if it's going to help. Very serious. And my brother, he is in the fourth stage of prostate cancer. He's been doing very well. Both of their attitudes and their faith is strong. But it's sad situations. My brother said, well, maybe I'll have two or three years. I don't know. But I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to keep hanging in there. And I know his one count of the PSA is up, and they're trying to give him medication to get that down, and it's been very difficult. He's, they're going through a lot, husband and wife. So, yeah, I, other than that, I things are about all the same. We try to keep this updated between I and Nancy, and I talk to Sue every week and try to do our best with this. And Pastor Sandy helps us out, too. sisters facing I, I'm the youngest of six girls okay oh. and so um, two have just had surgery and one is facing surgery this week and for their age it's um, a big deal yeah. so just pray for Claude's sisters yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask uh, how mom's doing no change okay okay all right Nancy just a, a note of appreciation. We've been blessed these last two years with Pastor Sandy and Pastor Ryan. And I realized just this week is Pastor Appreciation Month. So we thank the Lord for the blessing that we have of their leadership. Thank you. And I make a suggestion maybe for our congregation that next Sunday we have an offering plate that we could do like a love offering and sign a card so that we all can show our appreciation. Yeah. We ought to be able to split two dollars between them. <laughs> Gary, if you want to get that surgery done today, we can do it. <laughs> yes, our grandson Rodney, he's still having tests done. He's having a blown mar bone marrow test tomorrow and a chest x-ray tomorrow, so keep praying for him. Bill, how's mom doing? Good. Okay. Okay. 
New chompers, huh? I told her, I said, it don't matter. Nobody can see your teeth anyway. You've got a pair of masks. <laughs> Hi there. For those up front, so you don't have to turn around, this is Pastor Sandy. Um, the last couple of days, Karen and I have been down in Virginia, Woodstock, Virginia, which is actually northern part of Virginia, um, at a conference uh, called the Covenant Brethren. Uh, starting yesterday, they have launched a brand new a Brethren denomination. Um, I really appreciated a lot of things there. So I'm in a dilemma. What do I do? Do I let go of the Church of the Brethren and join them because I... I really like what they're saying. Uh, anyway, uh, just for you to be aware of that, that I'm wrestling with some things. I got a chance while there. I saw Jim Meyer. He's on our prayer list. Yeah. Had COVID-19. Uh -huh. Jim said to me, now, Sandy, part of the way through this, I wondered if I was going to make it. After three or four weeks, he said, no, Every day I felt a little bit better. Um, he said, and eventually I just sort of came out of it. And he said, that was really with no medicines or any other treatment, just sort of, uh, you know, plenty of fluids and plenty of bed rest. He said, I, he said, I did not feel like getting out of bed. Uh, anyway, he is, he is testing uh, negative for the disease now, and he says, I'm happy that's behind me. <laughs> so uh, that's something that we can mark as a praise the Lord in, an, in another week, uh, put Jim Meyer as uh, having recovered. Um, the, the other thing to make the congregation aware, um, uh, Pastor Ryan's end date is December 31st. That he will be here till then. And uh, his... Uh, relationship with Fairview uh, Church of the Brethren starts January 1. So to make the congregation clear that, some have asked me about that. And I said, as far as I know, that's the way it works. Uh, Karen and I have decided we will normally be here even the Sundays that Ryan preaches, such as today, um, except there will be a few exceptions. Next Sunday is one of those exceptions. Karen and I are planning to go uh, down to Philadelphia. Yeah, it's daylight. I won't be there in the, during the dark, but during, uh, you know, I got friends there. Okay, they help watch out for me. We will be visiting Germantown Church of the Brethren, bunch of friends there. Karen's still on the uh, Germantown Trust that takes care of the building and everything. Um, and, and it's been uh, like a year since we've seen those people, and, and we've just got to get back. So... Next Sunday, Karen and I will not be here, but that will be sort of an exception to the rule between now and December 31st. Okay, so Ryan will be preaching next Sunday. Next Sunday, Ryan will be preaching. Did, did you know that, Ryan? Okay, that's good. Yeah, my niece, uh, Julie Riesinger, um, she's doing a little bit better. They put her to uh, rehab in Hershey yesterday afternoon. Uh, got a chance to go up to see the boys last game. Her sons are uh, 8 and 11. Cole and Chase, you could tell he's a Phillies fan. Cole Hamill and Chase Utley, <laughs> that's their two sons. 
So I went to see their last game and uh, got an update from Saul Janet, spent some time with her. And uh, Julie's getting better. The words are there, but sometimes the sentences still, still don't make sense. But uh, she's slowly recovering, which will be a slow process. Okay. That's good news. Yesterday, I went to get Helen groceries, and somebody else was there. She said, she's finally going to get me groceries. <laughs> so I guess she thinks if she tells you one morning, you should have them by evening. Well, it didn't work that way. But she seems pretty good, and David was up, I guess, here over the weekend wanting to sell a house, so she got to talk to David. But she seems to be doing pretty good. notice I was carrying this hymnal and uh, my bulletin so I could write down all this stuff. I needed three hands and unfortunately <clears throat> it didn't work the way I wanted it to. So please forgive me for being generalized on prayer. But you all heard and you all know to pray. My praying does not s cause you to stop. Nancy has something else. That's right. Yeah, so 95 years old. 97, actually. 97. Wow. Yeah, Long died, life. Uh, she died last Saturday at the Morning Wednesday. Uh, and uh, we had a funeral uh, Tuesday. So okay. uh, thanks for prayers. Uh, Did you get to see her before she passed? I did. That's, yes. that's a blessing. Yeah, I think, I think uh, it's listed, yes, in the bulletin. Yeah, at the very top there. There you go. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, she's she's enjoying great life. Yeah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are such a great father. Thank you for that. You've heard people express concerns for loved ones here today. And we do have concerns for for individuals who are suffering from cancer 
or the after effects of cancer. Their families are, are in turmoil concerning that. Lord, give them hope. Give them peace to know that you are in control. Nothing can throw you off course. And that is reassuring for us. Thank you for that. We, we rejoice in the fact that people have overcome diseases, overcome COVID, have overcome various diseases that, and uh, situations that have had result operations. Thank you for that. And we have individuals looking forward to surgeries. Give them peace, Lord. Give them the calmness to know that you are in charge. They have nothing to be concerned about. You will give them the strength to get through these situations. We ask you to give the surgeons the abilities that they need to perform successful surgeries. Thank you, Lord, for that. You are the great physician, Lord, and we praise you for that. And you are the God of healing. And we praise you for that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for all that you have done. Thank you for the things that you have done within this congregation. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for our individuals that perform with our music. We pray especially for Walter as, as he battles his problems. Give him strength, Lord. We want to have him back at that organ to minister to us. We pray that you will do that with, for him. Thank you. Lord, we not only pray for our congregation, but we pray for individuals throughout the world who are suffering, who are striving to worship you, but are experiencing opposition. And I especially think of those in Nigeria, Lord. Lord, what a situation. We often think that we have problems here. We don't face anything like those people do. Lord, I pray that you will stand in the gap, that you will stretch out your mighty arm and you will hold back the oppressors. Not only for those in Nigeria, Lord, but for others throughout the world who are faithful to you. Give them hope. Let them know that you are with them. Protect them, Lord. Thank you for all you do for them. And Lord, again, we pray for this country. Lord, only you can save this country. I pray for a revival, a reversal of the attitudes of, of individuals within this country. Lord, we need you. I pray that you will forgive our sins, that you will come back and smile upon us again. Thank you, Lord. I pray for our leaders, especially, Lord. Bless them. Give them the direction that they need. And let them know that you're with them. Have them follow your directions, Lord. Stand against the evil one that is trying desperately to corrupt everyone's lives. Lord, we know that you are powerful. We know that you hear prayers. We know that you love us. And we love you. And therefore, we pray these things in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our coming King, and the one that we love and cherish because he loves and cherishes us. 
In his name we pray. Amen. We kind of forget which songs we sang, so our apologies if we already sang this one. <laughs> but um, I'm going to read a little bit. This book is... called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, and it's by uh, Lissa Turkhurst, and the song we're going to sing is I Know Who Holds Tomorrow, so just to go along with that, um, in this book that has chapters and then it has things like, it's called Going to the Well, Um, and it's just kind of key statements to think about and ponder on as as you've read uh, what has gone before or whatever. Anyway, sorry. Uh, So here's, it says, though we can't predict or control or demand the outcome of our circumstances, we can know with great certainty that we will be okay. Um, Some statements to cling to, we live in the uncertainty of neither being able to predict nor control the outcome. Even the most grounded people can feel hijacked by the winds of unpredictable change. We will be victorious because Jesus is victorious, and victorious people were never meant to settle for normal. scripture that goes along with it says 1 Corinthians 15 57 but thanks be to God he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ
Megan. Okay, good morning. Um, let me preface by saying that I didn't know we had some things planned that were um, out of the ordinary for us, and it certainly would happen that I have the longest <laughs> amount of information to get through. So I want to say, if anyone needs to leave, please feel free. You, you certainly are obligated to. I know that everyone has obligations, so I won't be offended if you get up and leave. Um, but um, what I want to do this morning, as I get myself situated here, um, you know, for the past seven months, we've been dealing with COVID, and, and I've been searching for the right um, the right words, the right um, understanding of this situation from a, a Christian perspective. And, you know, it seems like there are just two extremes on either side, and the extremes are kind of, you know, can't get together. And, and boy, where, where's this middle position that is God-honoring? And um, I found it. And so this morning, I want to share this with you. Um, and so what I want to, to do this morning is to read a letter, and it is a lengthy letter, uh, but I uh, believe that there is tremendous um, insight and understanding in this letter. And um, just please be patient uh, with this letter, because I think that wherever you are on the spectrum of, of COVID-19, your position will be spoken to. And uh, so I think there is a tremendous amount of wisdom in this. And so this letter was written in 1527. Um, it, for those of you who know history, the bubonic plague broke out again at this time uh, in Germany. And um, some historians put the bubonic plague um, as many as half a, or excuse me, 500 million people died throughout history as a result of the bubonic plague. Um, to put that in comparison, that would be every man, woman, and child in Canada, the United States of America, and Mexico. Uh, so this is a tremendous amount of people that have been um, 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 injured and, and um, killed as a result of this, of this plague. So anyway, let me begin. To the Reverend Dr. Johann Hess, pastor at Breslau, and to his fellow servants of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Martin Luther. Martin Luther is the author of this letter, by the way. Grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Your letter sent to me at Wittenberg was received some time ago. You wish to know whether it is proper for a Christian to run away from a deadly plague. I should have answered long ago, but God has for some time disciplined and scourged me so severely that I have been unable to do much reading or writing. Furthermore, it occurred to me that God, the merciful Father, has endowed you so richly with wisdom and truth in Christ that you yourself should be well qualified to decide this matter, or even weightier problems in his spirit and grace without our assistance. But now that you keep on writing to me and have, so to speak, humbled yourself in requesting our view on this matter so that, as St. Paul repeatedly teaches, we may always agree with one another and be of one mind, therefore we here give you our opinion as far as God grants us to understand and perceive. This we would humbly submit to your judgment 
and to that of all devout Christians for them, as is proper to come to their own decision and conclusion. And so since the rumor of death is to be heard in these and many other parts also, we have permitted these instructions of ours to be printed because others might also want to make use of them. To begin with, some people are of the firm opinion that one need not and should not run away from a deadly plague. Rather, since death is God's punishment, which he sends upon us for our sins, we must submit to God and with a true and firm faith patiently await our punishment. They look upon running away as an outright wrong and as lack of belief in God. Now others take the position that one may properly flee, particularly if one holds no public office. And so, for, so to begin with, there are some who say that a Christian should remain steadfast in the face of a deadly plague, while others say that a Christian can run from a deadly plague. So there are two positions here. He continues, I cannot censor the former for their excellent decision. They uphold a good cause, namely a strong faith in God, and deserve commendation because they desire every Christian to hold a strong, firm faith. It takes more than a milk faith to await a death before which most of the saints themselves have been and still are in dread. Who would not acclaim these earnest people to whom death is a little thing? They willingly accept God's chastisement, doing so without tempting God, as we shall hear later on. Now, since it is generally true of Christians that few are strong and many are weak, one simply cannot place the same burden upon everyone. A person who has a strong faith can drink poison and suffer no harm, as we read in Mark chapter 16, verse 18, while one who has a weak faith would thereby drink to his death. Peter could walk upon the water because he was strong in faith, but when he began to doubt and his faith weakened, he sank and almost drowned. When a strong man travels with a weak man, he must restrain himself so as not to walk at a speed proportionate to his strength, lest he set a killing pace for his weak companion. Christ does not want his weak ones to be abandoned, as St. Paul teaches in Romans 15.1 and 1 Corinthians 12.22. To put it briefly and concisely, running away from death may happen in, two, in, excuse me, in one of two ways. And so what he's saying here is that the ones who are strong in faith and do not wish to run from a deadly plague are to be commended. But not every Christian is as strong as they are, and thus the strong in faith must make sure that they do not abandon those who are not strong in faith. And so he says that running away from death may happen in two ways. The first way we can run from death is by rejecting God and by rejecting God to avoid death, which he says is not good. The second way we can run away from death is by making sure that all of our responsibilities are attended to before fleeing and that those responsibilities will be attended to after we are gone. So here he again continues. First, it may happen in disobedience to God's word and command, this meaning running away from death. For instance, in the case of a man who is imprisoned for the sake of God's word and who, to escape death, denies and repudiates God's word. In such a situation, everyone has Christ's plain mandate and command not to flee, but rather to suffer death. As he says, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And 
Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. This is in Matthew 10, 28, and 33. Now those who are engaged in a spiritual ministry, such as preachers and pastors, must likewise remain steadfast before the peril of death. We have a plain command from Christ. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, but the hireling sees the wolf coming and flees. John 10, verse 11. For when people are dying, they most need a spiritual ministry which strengthens and comforts their consciences by word and sacrament, and in faith overcomes death. However, where enough preachers are available in one locality and they agree to encourage the other clergy to leave in order not to expose themselves needlessly to danger, I do not consider such conduct sinful because spiritual services are provided for because they would have been ready and willing to stay if it had been necessary. For instance, we read that St. Athanasius fled from his church that his life might be spared. This is in the, uh, I think, 3rd, 4th century. He fled from his church that his life might be spared because many others were there to administer his office. Similarly, the brethren in Damascus lowered Paul in a basket over the wall to make it possible for him to escape death. Acts 9.25, and also in Acts 19.30, Paul allowed himself to be kept from risking danger in the marketplace because it was not essential for him to do so. Now, accordingly, just like pastors and preachers, all those in public office, such as mayors, judges, and the like, are under obligation to remain. This, too, is God's word, which institutes secular authority and commands that town and country be ruled, protected, and preserved, as again, St. Paul teaches in Romans 13, verse 4. The governing authorities are God's ministers for your own good. Now, to abandon an entire community which one has been called to govern and to leave it without official or government and exposed to all kinds of dangers, such as fires, murders, riots, and every imaginable disaster is a great sin. It is the kind of disaster the devil would like to instigate wherever there is no law and order. St. Paul says, anyone who does not provide for his own family denies the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8. Now on the other hand, if in great weakness they flee, but provide capable substitutes to make sure that the community is well governed and protected, as we previously indicated, and if they continually and carefully supervise them, meaning the substitutes, all that would be proper. What applies to these two offices, church and state, should also apply to persons who stand in a relationship of service or duty to one another. A servant should not leave his master or a maid her mistress except with the knowledge and permission of master or mistress. Again, a master should not desert his servant or a lady, her maid, unless suitable provision for their care has been made somewhere. In all these matters, it is a, it is a divine command that servants and maids should render obedience, and by the same token, masters and ladies should take care of their servants. Likewise, fathers and mothers are bound by God's law to serve and help their children and children, their fathers and their mothers. Likewise, paid public servants, such as city physicians, city clerks and constables, or whatever their titles, should not flee unless they furnish capable substitutes who are acceptable to their employer. In the case of children who are orphaned, guardians or close friends are under obligation either to stay with them 
or to arrange diligently for other nursing care for their sick friends. Yes, no one should dare leave his neighbor unless there are others who will take care of the sick in their stead and nurse them. In such cases, we must respect the word of Christ. I was sick, and you did not visit me. Matthew 25, 41 and 46. According to this passage, we are bound to each other in such a way that no one may forsake the other in his distress, but is obliged to assist and help him as he himself would like to be helped. Now, where no such emergency exists and where enough people are available for nursing and taking care of the sick and where voluntarily or by orders, those who are weak in faith make provisions so that there is no need for additional helpers or where the sick do not want them and have refused their services, I judge that these persons have an equal choice either to flee or to remain. And so... What he's saying is let the one who is strong in face, excuse me, let the one who is strong in faith remain in the face of a deadly plague, and let the one who is not strong in faith run from a deadly plague. But before leaving, that person who is not strong in faith must make sure that their responsibilities are taken care of. If someone is sufficiently bold and strong in faith, let him stay in God's name. That is certainly no sin. If someone is weak and fearful, let him flee in God's name as long as he does not neglect his duty toward his neighbor, but has made adequate provision for others to provide nursing care. To flee from death and to save one's life is a natural tendency implanted by God and not forbidden unless it be against God and neighbor, as St. Paul says again in Ephesians 5. No man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. It is even commanded that every man should as much as possible preserve body and life and not neglect them. As St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 21 through 26, that God has so ordered the members of the body that each one cares and works for the other. And so here he's saying fleeing from death is a natural tendency. In fact, we are commanded to care for our own bodies. It is not forbidden, but rather commanded that by the sweat of our brow, we should seek our daily food, clothing, and all we need, and avoid destruction and disaster whenever we can, as long as we do so without detracting from our love and duty toward our neighbor. How much more appropriate is it, therefore, to seek to preserve life and avoid death if this can be done without harm to our neighbor. Inasmuch as life is more than food and clothing, as Christ himself says in Matthew 6.25, if someone is so strong in faith, however, that he can willingly suffer hunger, nakedness, and want without tempting God and not trying to escape, although he could do so, let him continue that way. But let him not condemn those who will not or cannot do the same. Examples in Scripture abundantly prove that to flee from death is not wrong in itself. Abraham was a great saint, but he feared death and escaped it by pretending that his wife, Sarah, was his sister. Because he did so without neglecting or adversely affecting his neighbor, it was not counted as a sin against him. His son Isaac did likewise. Jacob also fled from his brother Esau to avoid death at his hands. 
Likewise, David fled from Saul and from Absalom. The prophet Uriah escaped from King Jehoiakim and fled into Egypt. The valiant prophet Elijah had destroyed all the prophets of Baal by his great faith. But afterward, when Queen Jezebel threatened him, he became afraid and fled into the desert. Before that, Moses fled into the land of Midian when the king searched for him in Egypt. Many others have done likewise. All of them fled from death when it was possible and saved their lives, yet without depriving their neighbors of anything, but first meeting their obligations toward them. So again, what he's saying here is that fleeing from death is acceptable, provided that we do not neglect our responsibility to others. He continues, yes, you may reply, but these examples do not refer to dying by pestilence, but to death under persecution. My answer here is that death is death no matter how it occurs. According to Holy Scripture, God sent his four scourges, pestilence, famine, sword, and wild beasts. If we may flee from one with a clear conscience, then why not from all? Our examples demonstrate how the Holy Fathers escaped from the sword It is quite evident that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob fled from the other scourge, that is, hunger and death, when they went to Egypt to escape the famine, as we are told in Genesis. Likewise, why should one one not run away from wild beasts? I hear people say, "If if war or the Turks come, one should not flee from his village or town, but stay and await God's punishment by the sword. That is quite true. Let him who has a strong faith wait for his death, but he should not condemn those who take flight. By such reasoning, when a house is on fire, no one should run outside or rush to help because such a fire is also a punishment from God. Anyone who falls into deep water dare not save himself by swimming, but must surrender to the water as to a divine punishment. Very well. Do so if you can, but do not tempt God and allow others to do as much as they are capable of doing. Likewise, if someone breaks a leg, is wounded or bitten, he should not seek medical aid, but say, well, it is God's punishment. I shall bear it until it heals by itself. Freezing weather and winter are also God's punishment and can cause death. Why run to get inside or near a fire? Be strong, stay outside until it becomes warm again. We should then need no apothecaries or drugs or physicians because all illnesses are punishments from God. Hunger and thirst are also great punishments and torture. Why do you eat and drink instead of letting yourself be punished until hunger and thirst stop by themselves? Ultimately, such talk will lead to the point where we abbreviate the Lord's Prayer and no longer pray, deliver us from evil, amen, since we would have to stop praying to be saved from hell and stop seeking to escape it. It too is God's punishment, as is every kind of evil. Where would all of this end? And so what he's saying here is that we need to be careful when indicting others of having a weak faith when they run from a deadly plague because we ourselves do things every day to sustain ourselves. We eat food. We take precautions against wild animals. We lock our doors at night. We warm our houses so that we do not freeze to death. We do these things, and what Martin Luther is saying here is that they are right. So we should not be so quick to condemn others when they take precautions in the face of a deadly plague because we ourselves take precautions to sustain ourselves every day. He continues. Again, he says, where would all this end? 
From what has been said, we derive this guidance. We must pray against every form of evil and guard against it to the best of our ability in order not to act contrary to God, as we previously explained. If it be God's will that evil come upon us and destroy us, none of our precautions will help us. Everybody must take this to heart. First of all, if he feels bound to remain where death rages in order to serve his neighbor, let him commend himself to God and say, Lord, I am in thy hands. Thou hast kept me here, thy will be done. I am thy lowly creature. Thou canst kill me or preserve me in this pestilence in the same way as if I were in fire, water, drought, or any other danger. If a man is free, however, meaning he's free of his responsibilities, and can escape, let him commend himself and say, Lord God, I am weak and fearful. Therefore, I am running away from evil and from doing what I can to protect myself against it. I am nevertheless in thy hands in this danger as in any other which might overtake me. Thy will be done. My flight alone will not succeed of itself because calamity and harm are everywhere. Moreover, the devil never sleeps. He is a murderer from the beginning and tries everywhere to instigate murder and misfortune. And so in the same way, we must and we owe it to our neighbor to accord him 